Porn Free Radio, Episode 2. Welcome to Porn Free Radio. I'm Matt Dobschutz. This is a new podcast aimed at creating meaningful connections with people who want to get free from porn addiction. This weekly podcast will provide strategies and tools to live 100% porn free. And this week we continue to talk about coming clean and the emotional benefits of getting started. In episode one, I talked about the first time that I came clean. I wrote a letter um, to a woman who worked in a ministry in town and um, essentially exposed myself uh, to her and ex- told her about my problem and and actually included a $10 bill that um, I was planning on buying porn with. And it was a way to keep myself safe and It was sort of my first step in telling someone. As I hinted in episode one, it wasn't my last step. It took many more years of sort of coming to the end of myself, coming to to rock bottom and uh, really bringing others into my struggle. Now, no conversations or confessions were harder than those with my future wife, um, probably 10 or 12 years after I first reached out to that uh, speaker, um, I found myself in a marriage and I was still struggling with pornography. And so every time that I told my wife about a struggle or, or a fall, it, uh, it definitely was a really hard conversation. And one conversation I remember in particular was I had been unemployed uh, for a few months, and I was doing a job search. And you know what it's like when you're unemployed. There's kind of this loneliness factor. Uh, there's a lot of rejection. You have to really continue to affirm yourself that you're worthy of love, that you are uh, uh, a good employee, that you have good skills to sell, because as you're home alone, you just are really susceptible to that lie that you're worthless or that you're uh, not hireable. And so I was really feeling that. I mean, some days were better than others, but I had tried to keep myself safe. I had a plan. I was not using my computer at home. I didn't have internet access at home. I was going to my parents' house at the time and doing job searches. So I'd go and search and send emails and all that type of stuff during the day. And then I'd come back to my house in the evening. Well, as it was still the first couple of years in my recovery, temptation was really setting in, especially related to all the loneliness and rejection I was feeling with my job search. And so I conceived of a way to act out. I actually downloaded a short video and burned it to back then. It was a VCD. It was like a, a CD-ROM that could play on a DVD player. I know. I I was always good at coming up with new technology sources to act out with. So this, essentially, this was me burning a CD-ROM that could play on a DVD player. And um, so even though I had good protection at home with my TV, my VCR, my computer at home. This is before smartphones. I still found a way. And so I acted out. I watched this video and um, 
probably masturbated and and immediately felt the shame and the uh, lost my sobriety and and so I had to tell my wife and she was sort of the first person that I would tell. I had some other people in my life who were helping me and supporting me, but she was the first person and so I sat her down and I said I you know I have something to tell you and right then she knew where we were going with this this conversation and she started to cry a little bit and I started to explain what had happened and I was pretty clear I didn't make a lot of excuses with the whole unemployment I just was uh, told the facts of what had happened and um, you know she was very upset and there was a lot of hurt in her face and and that's that's one thing that (sighs) helped me start to to go longer and longer without having you know uh, acting out it was partly seeing the hurt the actual consequences of my choices and how they affected her that was one thing that really helped me and motivated me in the in the beginning but as she was sort of asking questions and she was sort of revealing her hurt to me I started feeling this sorrow kind of well up in me and it kind of came from a real deep place, like literally like in my, my gut and it just started coming out. And as she was talking, I started sort of turning away from her. I literally turned away from her. I was so ashamed and I, I kind of curled up almost into not a fetal position, but sort of like I started bending into myself and I just started crying at a really deep level. And as I was crying, this question came to me. And I just started saying, why? Why, why, why? And at this point, this was so dramatic that my wife, even though she was upset and hurt, she had some compassion for me. She really saw me in pain and, and looked at me and said, what, what are you asking? What, what are you saying? And I started to say, why, why? And in, but between the sobs. And I finally got it out. Why do you love me? And her response at the point was just, she just started affirming me. She started just telling me the ways that she loved me. And um, she started just sort of caring for me right then. But what I had gotten in touch with as I was crying and sobbing was, at my core, I felt unlovable. I felt damaged and disqualified. I felt worthless. And... Those were feelings that I had deep down before the pornography, before the habit loop, before all the acting out. That was sort of a core lie that I believed about myself, that I was unlovable. And don't be surprised if below your behaviors, your habits, your acting out, your pornography, your masturbation... Don't be surprised if below all that is a core lie or a wound that just under the surface 
propels you to stay in that habit loop, propels you to stay in that habitual addiction. For me, that that meaning of unlovable, I don't know where it got in. I know that when I was a child, um, my family had a tragedy. My uh, baby brother died about a, a week after his birth. And I know that my dad and my mom both were hit really hard by that. And I was an only child at this point. And, um, and it was young. I think I was three and into four and five. And somewhere in there, maybe that's when that message got in. Maybe there was a sense of mourning or loss that I felt in my parents. And I interpreted it as something wrong with me. And that's, that's something to keep in mind. There could have been something that happened when you were a kid. And children are really bad um, at perceiving what's real and what's, what's not real. And they're very bad interpreters of what's going on around them. And so maybe I interpreted that I was unlovable from that period when my parents were sad and mourning the loss of my brother. But somewhere it got in there, and it had been in there long before I discovered pornography. And if anything, when I discovered pornography at age seven, like I mentioned in episode one, perhaps pornography provided that escape and that numbing to that pain and that core wound of being unlovable. Now that's my theory And you might find a theory, too, for yourself. What are maybe some of the things that contributed to where you're at now, fighting to get out of a habit, an addiction formed around pornography, masturbation? But no matter what it is, you might not totally get to the source. But the good news is, is you can, cont- you can start to walk out of it, even if you haven't figured out all the things that contributed to your addiction, that contributed to where you've gotten yourself to. And just like that day I was talking to my wife and, and all those feelings of being unlovable came up, the moment that I said it, that I asked the question, why do you love me? The moment that I basically exposed this core belief that I was unlovable to my wife, she was able to respond. She was able to to counteract the lie. And so, as today we're talking about the emotional benefits of coming clean, that's one of the strongest emotional benefits. Sure, it's embarrassing to confess pornography addiction or to to kind of air our dirty laundry with with our dirty secrets these things that we've been doing in secret and hiding but as we do that we're able to also start to expose what's going on inside us and so it just came out that day that that sense of unlovableness and my wife was able to respond to me in a new way She was able to counteract that lie. And as I told other friends about that feeling of being unlovable, 
they were able to really respond to me. And so as you open yourself up to both the shame and the humiliation of of sort of exposing your habits and your behaviors, the other things that get exposed are the lies and the core beliefs that might be underneath the acting out. And what's great is the true self, that part of you that really needs to be affirmed, that part of you that's deep down that really needs to be loved and to feel accepted, that part gets exposed too in the coming clean process. It's counterintuitive. I think we think of weakness, we think of, of humiliation or, or sort of the shame of, of being caught or, or exposing our, our acting out as sort of a, like a deficit, like something's taken away from us. But what actually happens is all the, all the ways that we hide, all the coverings that we have are sort of stripped away and what's left is the true self, that part of us at our core, that's our true identity. And people aren't seeing anymore the false identity that you put out when you're hiding, when you're sort of pretending like everything's okay, when you're lying about your addiction, when you're covering up. You know, I found myself last night, I was talking to my wife, and I had gone to something that went really late. And I called her on the way home. And we do that sometimes on our way home, we might call and check in. And I um, hadn't eaten dinner. And it was maybe 11 o'clock. And there was a restaurant, a falafel restaurant on the way home. And it was still open. I couldn't believe it. It was 11 o'clock. The falafel stand was still open. And I popped in and I got this falafel sandwich. And it took me about five minutes to eat it, and I was driving home. And But my wife, knowing how far I was driving, realized it was probably about 10 or 15 minutes later than she expected. And her first question was, did you stop anywhere? And I don't know why I did this, but I just said no. And I guess in my head I rationalized it. Well, I didn't stop to get a beer, I didn't stop at a restaurant and sit down to eat. I wasn't that much later than I intended. And so I said no. And a few minutes later, I said, hey, you know how I said I didn't stop? I I did stop and I got a sandwich. And there was absolutely nothing wrong with me getting a sandwich. There was absolutely no reason. But for some reason, when she asked me, I felt defensive and I immediately sort of covered up. Maybe it was shame. Maybe it was a, an old defense that came up. And uh, so I had to say, you know, I, I lied. I just, I have to own that I just sort of responded to you and, you know, with a lie. And when we're in our addiction, that becomes almost a second nature. We're constantly covering up. We're constantly hiding. And as we do that, we create a false self. We create this sort of person on the outside who doesn't match the person on the inside. And as we walk out to to recovery, you know, one of the 
one of the emotional benefits is that inside person and the outside person start coming together. You're becoming the same on the inside as on the outside. The, the person that people see on the outside is the same as the person on the inside. And the great benefit for us when we come out from the hiding, the lying, um, the, the sort of putting on the false self, when we come out of that, when someone affirms us, when someone shows us love, we're able to receive it. Because when we're hiding, internally what we say is, if they really knew me, if they really knew the deep stuff underneath, they wouldn't love me. They wouldn't be saying what they're saying. But as we are more honest, as we are more pulled together as a person, when someone affirms and loves you, you can receive it at the core of your being because you're the same on the inside as on the outside. I want to share with you a video that I came across in researching for the podcast. It's a video called Overcoming Pornography. It's just about a one-minute clip of a woman named Audrey Assad, who is a Christian musician, and she talks briefly just about coming clean about her pornography addiction at age 19. When I first came out about my pornography addiction at 19 or 18 or 19, I think, the only thing I knew to do was to tell friends and tell my parents. And that's what I did. And it was so weirdly healing to just say it out loud to somebody and have them look me in the face and say, like, it's okay. I still love you. Or, you know, or they react poorly and that's tough to deal with. But um, confessing it out loud is absolutely the first step toward healing and towards actually progressing into recovery. Unfortunately, there aren't a ton of ministries out there that are easy to find because if you go on the internet and type in pornography with anything, it can bring up, you know, all kinds of, so it's actually kind of difficult to, to Google help. But the best and first thing is confess it to God and confess it to someone in real life and say the word pornography, say the word masturbation, say it out loud, because once you name it, it has less power over you. I really believe that. I really love that phrase, the, it's weirdly healing, uh, starting to tell people about pornography and masturbation. And it's a chance to, to really hear back from, from the people in your life that it's okay that they still love you. And even if you don't hear back, even if you have some awkward conversations that it's still a benefit to tell people to uh, really be honest. That as we're continually honest, we start to just form a habit of being known. And there's, and that's really helpful. And she, she mentioned specifically too, about just saying the words of masturbation and pornography and I think that that's just another great thing of just being really honest about what's going on. Because our goal is to be the same on the outside as on the inside. And what happens as we start to hide and start to get progressively um, deeper into our fantasy and our pornography and our masturbation, what we have to do to hide is, is create a false self create sort of a, 
an acceptable image that we can show people. And this can play out in all sorts of ways. We can look like a really good person or a helper. You know, sometimes we can be a leader. We can sort of present this image that we want people to see. But on the inside, we know that we're going towards these sort of dark sources for pleasure, for, for care, for, for affirmation. And so there's this real disconnect with the outside of us and the inside. And so the healing part about telling someone, the weirdly healing part, is that it starts to expose what's going on under the surface. And it also starts to to break down the false self, the, the, the image that we show people. And we start becoming more transparent and real and honest. And why that's great emotionally for us is as we're honest, as we're transparent, when people say they love us, when they affirm us, when they try to encourage us, we can really begin to receive it at a core level. We can really start to, to feel that we're lovable because when we're hiding, no matter what someone says that's good to us, no matter how they affirm us, we have this thing that we say to ourselves, if they really knew me, if they really knew what was going on, on the inside, if they knew what I have done, they wouldn't love me. They wouldn't be saying this. And so as long as we're caught in this pattern of hiding and then acting out, we can never, on the inside, on the true parts of ourselves, receive love. And so think about that this week. What are ways that you're hiding still? What are ways that you're minimizing or covering up? What are ways that you can be more honest? Even if you've come clean, what are ways that you can be more transparent, where you can sort of bring people in? Just like the other night, or just like last night, when I had to kind of look bad before my wife by just being honest. When I said that thing about not stopping, I wasn't true. I wasn't being truthful. Because as you start to do that, as you start to tell on yourself, as you start to integrate that habit of being honest and transparent, you provide yourself the opportunity to receive love, to receive good things at a core level. And you start learning to live um, integrated, where the outside and the inside match. I don't think I could have gone more than an hour without coming clean to my wife about that, even that lie, because I've created a habit of continually being honest and transparent with her. So the longer I go, the more discomfort I feel with the hiding. And that's the goal. It's counterintuitive because when we do something wrong, we want to hide. When we feel shame, we want to hide. So it's completely counterintuitive to want to tell on yourself, to be honest. But as you develop the habit, it actually becomes life-giving. So think about that this week. I just want to end the show by playing a song by Adria Saad, 
Um, Audrey has a new EP coming out at the end of this month, but this was a uh, a song that she released earlier this year. And um, I heard it, and for whatever reason, I don't know if it's about c- coming clean or coming sort of to the end of ourselves, this song just spoke to me this week, and I want to leave you with it. It's called I Shall Not Want. And um, for more information just about Porn Free Radio and about uh, this week's show, you can go to pornfreeradio.com and see the show notes. And you can also connect with me there on Twitter and on uh, email or voicemail. So thanks again for listening. I'm mm-hmm.